0: Hope said on this week, I know, I will do my best to contribute something worthwhile to that. This morning, let's look at Romans chapter 12. If you look at Romans chapter 12, just going to look at the first eight verses, but I want you to think about this. How many of you know all the challenges that I face? Good. <laughs> I'm glad to see nobody raised their hand. How many of you know some of the challenges that I face? Everybody. Could you see? There are some challenges that we have that are universal. Uh, we live on the same planet, and so uh, we're <coughs> going to have some of the same challenges. Uh, we have some similar obligations in this life. So we're going to have some of the same challenges. But then, on the other side of that, there are some challenges that not only I will have and you won't never have. Uh, and, uh, you know, just be real practical about it. I'm a guy, okay? Uh, women aren't going to face all the challenges that I'm going to face. A- and vice versa. I won't face challenges uh, that have to do with being a woman. And we can refine it down from there. We're all... Uh, going to have to face our own challenges on our own. Romans chapter 12 is about some universal challenges and then some individual challenges. And here's the first challenge in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I want you to focus on on what Paul put at the very beginning of that, the the source of the appeal. Now, he could have gone to a lot of other places. You know, he, he could could done like like preachers like me do sometimes, point our fingers and check our fingers. God said. Paul said, think about what God has done for you by the mercies of God. The word mercy here is not the typical word for mercy that you're going to find in some other places. uh, I think it's when we lived here we got an Eliamusianary discount on our electric bill. That's a a form of the Greek word that means to show mercy or compassion. That's a Greek word that means mercy or merciful. The Alabama Fire Company was showing mercy to the preachers. <laughs> okay? <laughs> live, they knew it was a preacher's house and so we got an L.E.A. Lucianary discount. Probably never heard of that before. Hey. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a different word here. It's not that word in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Uh, the word here in Romans 12 verse 1 is more in the vein of pity. Uh, it, it's it's <laughs> pity uh, that leads to compassion. I can pity somebody, and then I can think, well, I'm so much better than them because I'm not like they are. Luke 18, remember that guy? He pitied, I think, the the man who was falling on his face, saying, be merciful to me, a sinner. But that Pharisee didn't have any compassion. God pities us because we're so weak. God pities us because uh, we could not help ourselves out of our sin problem. He had pity on us, and then he had compassion. Compassion is pity with a desire to alleviate the cause of suffering. That's what God's had for us in so many ways. And so God's pity, that the mercies of God, Romans 12, verse 1, the mercies of God, all the things that God has done for us to help us, his compassion for us. You ever read Psalm 136? I can't just recall them by number, uh, but Psalm 136. If you've never looked at it before, at the end of every verse, 26 verses, what does it say? For His, his mercy, mercy endured. For His mercy endured. Forever. Twenty-six times He repeats that with every thought. Well, that's what Paul wants us to think about here. You think about the source of the appeal. I want you, because God has been so good to you and to me. Remember in Romans 6, Paul uses the pronoun that includes himself when he talks about baptism. Uh, when he says, Well, I know you not that so many of us as have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism of death. And like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, he was so... We should also walk in supply. Paul's not preaching. He's talking about something that's common here. The mercies of God that we all have experienced. Let's let that be the basis for this appeal. Present your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Paul asked a question in Romans or excuse me, in 1 Corinthians chapter four and verse 7. Because, you see, the Corinthians kind of thought highly of themselves. The Corinthians thought that they had gotten what they had spiritually because they were special. Uh, they were more special than others. And Paul asked the question in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Notice how he styles this. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? What did you make? <laughs> okay. Talk about creation. What did you make? You, know, you talk use that word in, in a, a general way, and we, we do talk about things that that people haven't seen before that somebody created. But no, not really. It's kind of like the atheist and God having a debate. You know, the atheist said, "I can I can make life," uh, and uh, you know, your your days are done, God, because now man can make life. And, and God says, "Okay, show me." And so the scientist reached down and scoop up some dirt, and God said, I made it wrong. <laughs> okay. What have you created? I am created anything. I may have taken what God has put here on this earth, and I might have made something really neat out of it. But I have what I have that's good because God gave it to me, right? Mm-hmm. Directly or indirectly? James 117, what does that <coughs> say? It's a good gift. A good gift. every yeah. With him sure. There's a good and perfect gift comes down from the bottom. Father. Comes down from the, bottom, from the Father of lights, the and yeah, the Came from God. All right. So here's the basis. Here's the reason Paul says I want you to present your body a living sacrifice. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? What happened to non-living sacrifices? They died. <laughs> they died. What the they were? Who they belong to? They were given to God. Alright. They were sacrificed. They were devoted to God. You. Make sure that you belong to God. You present yourselves as something devoted, dedicated to God. That's my first challenge. Consider the source of the appeal and then apply it. Making sure that I admit what he talked about in the last part of that verse, my reasonable service. I think that's a good translation. There's some folks that have tried to redo this and Uh, The spiritual service is what it says. No, no, it's reasonably spiritual or spiritually reasonable, maybe. But the word in the original is an accounting term. You add it all up. You see what God's done for you then return in service to him. As God hath prospered us, that's how we give, right? Mm -hmm. As God has given, that's how we serve. We sacrifice. Alright, question or comment? Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I must appreciate the separation that is required. I, I need to understand the source of the appeal, but now, this appeal has a purpose. I'm supposed to be different. That's what the word holy really means, isn't it? Different, separated for service, set apart. I'm different, not like the it's the word here. Not conformed. I'd always talk about conformed when uh, when I was illustrating this, uh, uh, the milk carton that we had when I was a kid in elementary school. All of us had to bring the, the half-gallon milk carton, you know. Uh, they, uh, they didn't put milk in gallon jugs when I was a boy. <laughs> yeah. They had a half-gallon milk carton. And we'd have to bring empty. We'd wash it out and bring it to, to school. Uh, we'd cut the top off of it. We would also bring, with that uh, empty milk carton, we would bring a dried flour. <clears throat> All right, we'll do that. Well... The teacher showed us how to melt paraffin, put the dried flour down in that empty milk carton, and pour the hot paraffin down over that little flour, and when it cools, what do you have? Oh, you're supposed to put a wick in it too, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Makes a candle. Why? Because the paraffin takes the shape of the milk carton. It would have every little indentation, every little imperfection inside the carton would show up on the outside of that candle chunk of wax there. Uh, I thought, well, I hope monolight. it. didn't mean a lot to me, but it did. Uh, well, there's another element to this word. That's one of them being poured into the world's mold, uh, but there is another side of it that has to do with fashion. To fashion a life. Now, uh, you know where I'm going with that. <laughs> what you see going down the runway at the fashion show just might not be what a Christian woman should wear. Mm-hmm. And what comes out on the headlines. Uh, there's even a, one news show that's got the 411. Uh, you get the 411, the latest news, the latest scoop, And they're going to show you the latest fashion trends. Don't fall for that. <laughs> okay? There's some nice fashion sometimes, but most of the time, uh, they're trying to make the headlines meet, you know. That's not what a Christian woman needs to be doing. Don't be fashioned like the world. Don't undress with the undressers. Don't conform to what this world says is acceptable or good or cool. Uh, Don't don't take the word of the world for it. Take God's word for it. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Here's the heart uh, of this concept of being separated from the world coming out from among them, and be ye separate. Who said that? Said the Lord. Said the Lord. God's wanting me to be different. He said, I'll be your father. You'll be my people. And, and having these promises, the next verse in chapter 7, verse 1, I think it ought to go to chapter 6. He said, having therefore these promises, dear beloved, then we need to purify, cleanse ourselves." All the world cleanse our ourselves. And, and he said you do it in holiness. You become God-like, holy, set apart for service to God. I'm on the altar to sacrifice to him. All right. There's a separation there. I'm no longer looking for the world's approval. <coughs> and moms, daddies, grandmas, and grandpas, your young people haven't quite gotten that message yet. <laughs> But the more you're involved in spiritual activity on a regular basis, Bible say Sunday morning, worship every time the church is together, and backwoods Christian camp. <laughs> I, I, you think I'm joking? I think that had a lot to do with the spiritual development of my four children. Uh, I, I don't doubt it. Now, Indian, is it Indian Creek now? Yes, sir. Indian Creek Youth Camp, send them there have a lot to do with their thinking uh, about what's acceptable. They're still going to be wanting friends, but they're going to learn and when when they're they're together those friends first are seeking God's approval and when they're in company of people who are seeking God's approval, that's going to help them want to do the same thing. So that works for young people does it work for not so young people? She's not feeling real good this morning, but uh, hopefully she's going to be able to be here this morning. But uh, when her first husband died, he was a preacher. Uh, A couple of years later, she comes down to my house and said, I want to go to the lectureship with you at the School (laughs) of Preaching. Why? Because she'd been in company with Christian people. She met a lot of Christian women uh, in that setting, preachers' lives. Some of them that she had known for years. And she met her second husband. <laughs> a preacher. Imagine that. Had a lecture What was she doing? She was she was practicing this principle of seeking God's approval and having a good relationship with other people who are seeking God's approval. We need that. We need the strengthening effect of, of being in worship and Bible class with our brothers and sisters. Uh, Question or comment? The secondary aspect of that idea of sacrifice, by the way, here in verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. I'm going to have to say, I am willing to give up anything that keeps me from being a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. I'm willing to give up, sacrifice, whatever it takes to put God first. In my life to show it by the way that I do transform That's a renewed mind, isn't it? That's a mind that's guided by the Word of God. And in every choice that I make, I'm going to be putting God's word to the text. Alright, you said that, I'm going to do it. Simply because God said, Do it. In Hebrews eleven, by the way, mm-hmm. by faith it means I trust God enough to do what God said. When I did, I saw the promises come true. I believed, I obeyed, and I was blessed as a result. That's the idea of my faith with all of those examples in the Old Testament that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. All right. Anything else? Verse 3, here's the big one. For I say to the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Here's the challenge. I have to have an appropriate self selfie. You know, I get the camera up here, <laughs> and I take a what? A selfie. Take it a selfie. I don't like that. <laughs> For me, I mean, if, you, if other people do that's fine. You know, get kind of a background of where they are, get to see them, that's okay. We were going to do some pictures yesterday up there in Tennessee, me and our brother, uh, trying to get things where the houses will sell a little better, and came up on a box of pictures. Uh, and Bob and Jackie had taken a trip to out west somewhere. And none of the pictures had them in them. (laughs) That's how we knew they had taken them, because they didn't put themselves in the picture. They took pictures of the scenery, but not of themselves in the scenery. Uh, Self-image. Who am I? What am I all about? How do I think properly about myself, appropriately about myself? What you just told me in verse 2. By the Word of God. I'm going to prove the Word of God. But when I get into that Word of God, I find out who I am. Do I have worth? Am I somebody important based upon the Word of God? John 3 16. For God so loved, so loved the world. He cared for me. That's the individual's in the world, I'm persuaded. Not the law uh, uh, that's traveling through the uh, outer space, but but The people on that globe, that globe, that ball. Us, human beings, humanity. Uh, There was a sister in a class that we're doing right now uh, about the open Bible study, and we looked at John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, where Jesus, remember, said, Neither pray I for these alone, meaning the apostles, neither pray I for these alone, but for all them which shall believe on me through their work. He said, you know who that meant? Ugly, it meant us. Every generation. Every generation can become part of this one body that Jesus was praying about, that they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that the world might believe that thou hast sent me. That was going to continue on until God stopped. Okay? Which will be when the Lord comes back. But now... He's praying not for just the eleven but for all of them who shall believe on me through their work that's us and the next time we met that sister said that was the thing I remembered most about our last class was John 17 20 and 21 Jesus was thinking about us amen he's thinking about this generation the church today well here in Romans 12 verse 3. My self-image needs to be God thought about me. God cared about me. God provided for me. That's why this earth keeps on working. (laughs) Okay? Just physically speaking. That's why the sun keeps coming up. The rain keeps falling when it needs to. Because God set this earth up to take care of us. And that's why it's so important for us to be here today. Because we're talking about what God did who saved us from our sins. Because he cared about all of us. And you're talking about prayer. Uh, where does the child of God get rest? Mm. You know how to get food. You know how to get exercise. Get through the word of God. Get exercise. By it, and somebody else understand it, teaching it. Uh, we get love by being together. Where do we get rest? 1 Peter 5 verse 7. <coughs> Casting all your... <coughs> prayer mm-hmm. called for him, him for he prayer is his faith a, a uh, an indicator When he's listening prayer is an indicator uh, of God's estimation of us doesn't matter how many people the world ends up having in it before the Lord comes back he's going to know everyone and those of us who are his children are especially favored by him. Is the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his mm-hmm. ears are open to their prayers. Peter said this two chapters before that, verse 3, verse 10 through 12. God cares about us. I'm somebody in the eyes of God. He cares about me. But now, not with me, more highly than he ought to think. That's the danger today. I haven't met too many people, that I've met some, but I haven't met too many people that have such a low self-image of themselves that that they don't know that God cares about them and and they don't think they're worth anything. Most people that I've met uh, in in my lifetime, well, kind of like the rest of us, don't don't we struggle just a little little more on the side of thinking too Highly on ourselves. Man, hey, I did this. Great. Uh, I, I accomplished this. Great. Uh, we're fixing to have right now in, in this country graduation. Great. All right. And I applaud all those who have attained graduation. Now, don't overdo it, okay? Don't think that you're invincible. Uh, kind of like a guy I worked with at United Parcel Service uh, when I was in college. Got to talking about spiritual things, and then got to talking about moral issues, and he said, well, I drive better when I've had a couple of beers." <laughs> You're overestimating your ability, bud. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting the, the right message there. Somehow, uh, you don't you don't really know the truth about what alcohol does to your brain. A lot of the guys that think when they get to be 17, 18, I don't really pick on anybody, when they get to be that age, 16, 17, 18, that they're invincible. Right? They can do things that normal guys can't do, right? They do high them so be careful about that. Uh, and, and sometimes it doesn't end well. It. Sometimes it's very tragic uh, when uh, young people, boys and girls, begin thinking that way, About themselves. Ah, they can do. It doesn't matter what mom and daddy, grandma and grandpa said. I'm different. I can can get by with that. I can do that and it won't hurt me. And some years later, they're regretting that choice many times if they live to regret it, right? Uh, Sports. I like sports, but I guys that can tell you not just statistics about what guys have done in sports, but they can tell you the body size, the weight, you know, the height, uh, uh, shoe size uh, of certain guys in certain sports and there. That's a little too much information. Okay? Uh, are, we, are we making an idol out of this guy? A lot of times we do that. shouldn't think of our, ourselves more highly than we ought to think. ought not be idolizing people as that guy said one time, what one man can do, another man can do. You'll quite yourself. So if you don't try for that same goal, you can do it. God is waiting for those abilities. Arrogance is wrong and dangerous. Proverbs sixteen verse eighteen. Pride goes before, before. Destruction and the Holy Spirit before a fall. There you go. Holy Spirit before a fall. Get yourself up here. It's a long way to the ground, right? uh, Assuming worthlessness ignores the express love of God. We've talked about that. But my ability can increase my value. That, that's true in the workforce, right? If you can speak more than one language, you're worth two people a lot of times. It's so important. Uh, or however many languages you can speak. Uh, they'll, they'll pay you extra for being able to do that. You can increase your value by increasing your abilities, by extending your abilities. Um, Jesus looked at that young man in Mark chapter 10 who said, All these have I kept from my youth up. And Jesus loved him. Did he love him more than other people? I've heard preaching, Nothing you can do can make God love you more. Now be careful. Because Jesus didn't tell this young man, you know, or Mark tells us rather about Jesus and this young man and says he loved him. That's not just like he you loves know, everybody else, there's something special about that. Why? Because here's a young man that was putting God first in his moral life. A lot of young people don't do that, do we agree. Here's a young man in Jesus' day that was doing that. He loved him. Well, there, there's one thing I can do, I can I can use my life. In the service of God just in the general sense. And already I'm in a favorite group. When I have obeyed the gospel. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 says. The foundation of God standeth sure. And, and hath this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. We're special to God. Not because we're better than other people. But because we have accepted his offer of salvation in Christ. And we're doing what we can to serve him now. When do I need to show up? Or excuse me, quick talk. You got 15 more.
1: 15 more, all right. We're on a good
0: track then. I need to stretch myself as a Christian, okay? I need to strive for a better service. Now, there's some things I can't do. Some things I should not attempt, again, because of my limitations, who I am, uh, even, oh, no, here, I'm going to say it. Gender, okay. (laughs) There are gender limitations regardless of what the world may tell you. There's some gender limitations. But now, uh, I probably would not do well. I enjoy kids, but I'd probably scare them to death if I was in uh, a class of two and three-year-olds, you know, or four and five-year-olds. It'd be hard for me to relate. Some things I I better not try. I'll do it if needed, but some things probably better for me not to try. Uh, But where I can't, and maybe I should try just to see if I can. I need to be stretchy myself. I, I need to be using what I have in the best possible way to serve God. All right, verses 1 through 5 here in Romans chapter 12 are to help me think soberly about my attachment to the body of Christ. Notice verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one one another. That's part of me being in the recipient mode, mercies of God. The greatest thing that's happened to me, according to the mercies of God, is that He saved me from my sin and put me in His church. Acts 2:47. I'm in that one body. And by the way, that's not an accident that the word one is connected to the body here, okay? Just like it is in Ephesians 4, verse 4. That one body. What's the one body? The church. This just pray, John 17, 20, 21. One church. One body of believers united in Him. Right? Many members, one body. So I need to think solely, first of all, the fact that the Lord put me in that body. He made me an appendage to that body. Now, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to need to think soberly about contributing to the good of that body. I'm a member of that one body. I'm in it by His mercy, His grace. When I obeyed that gospel, He added it to me. Having then gifts. Now, no doubt when He talks about what we have back in verse 3, but grace given unto us, and here He says, gifts, we're in the first century mode, the mindset of the first century church. And we're talking about miraculous gifts, miraculous abilities, because notice what he's going to say. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy. Okay. That would be a miraculous gift, would it not? Prophecy? What does it mean to prophesy? It involves sometimes that in the future, but what does it always involve? Teaching. Teaching. Speaking forth for God. I have received a message from God, and I speak it for him. That's what a prophet did. He spoke the message of God. Not all prophets in the Old Testament told the future, but they did all speak for and for God. Remember when Jesus was on trial, and they take him and blindfold him, and then hit him? Mm-hmm. What did they say? prophesy, prophesy. prophesy unto us, who smoke thee. On the way he could know, couldn't peek out of that blindfold, couldn't see out of the blindfold. The only way for him to know that he needed him is if God told him. So speaking forth for God. That's a, a a simple explanation of the meaning here. So Paul says, when you're speaking forth for God, if you're prophesying, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith. Portion? Any of you ever try practicing portion control? Mm-hmm. Don't even bring that up. Right? We're going to eat today. Portion <laughs> control. Well, that's where we control it. Portion here, God's controlling it. What he gave. It. He gave some big prophets. Peter said, verse Peter 4, 11, He may speak, and they speak. Is it work God? As it oracles <throat> from God. What God has given, that's what you speak. What God has said, that's what you say. Don't <laughs> take away from You speak what God has said. So... Prophecy, prophesy according to the portion of faith. So, preachers, okay? If you believe it, if you know it's from God, don't keep it to yourself. Acts twenty, verse twenty-seven. Paul said, "I shall not." Declare the, of God. Declare the whole counsel of God, the whole thing. And you speaking? What I know is right. right. and Now here's another group. In verse 7. Our ministry. Let us wait on our ministry. I thought ministering and preaching were the same thing. What do we call the guy in the pulpit? He's the minister. He's one of the ministers. Okay. He's ministering the word of God. He's serving the word of God. When uh, Jesus addressed the seven churches of Asia... Remember who he addressed the letters to? Right to whom? Messengers. The what? Messengers, angels. The angel, the messenger. The messenger, the angel of the church, first in Ephesus and up down the line, who's the messenger of the church is not the guy that's messaging, right? So, so uh, he's ministering the word, but there are a lot of other ministers in the church. And not all of them are men, right? Okay. They don't have official titles. But are there any women in the church that serve to help the church? My wife's got mm-hmm. two buttermilk pies on our counter right now in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Amen. That, that are going, they're not coming here, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, now, if she would had time, she'd probably have made a third. We didn't have a three, but two packed there, sorry. <laughs> uh, we got a lady that's just come out of the hospital, and uh, somebody else that's been sick. And uh, that's where those are going to pay. Is that in ministry? Is that serving? What was it going on in Act 6 that was being neglected? Um, The daily administration. There were some people getting it, some not. All right. So, women serving. Yeah. It's not different. Oh, I thought you don't say something. Servants. Pay attention to your servants. The last part, he that teacheth on teaching. You've got skills in Bible class. You can teach a group of young people. You can teach a group of older people. Get after it. And he that teacheth on teaching. Concentrate on that. Stretch your ability. You have an ability, put it to work for the cause of Christ. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. You know any exhorters in the body of Christ? (laughs) John Rice is probably one of the best in exactly. <laughs> yes, don't you think? He, he's all up there. Uh, I, I know a lot of folks that just by being around them, you feel better. You, you think better about yourself even because they're trying to build you up and exhort. Try to be one of those. Uh, not, not a gloomer and doomer, but an exhorter. Somebody to encourage. There, are there any exhorters in the Bible that we know of that are real well known for that? Ornans. Bar, and the son of Exultation. Consolation or exotension. Very good. Let's be like Barnabas. Let's do what we can to nudge folks along in their spiritual growth of the He didn't give it. Let him do it with sincerity. I thought everybody gave. it. You think about in Paul any time, were there any slaves in the church? A slave's not going to have a lot that he's going to be putting in the collection plate. He's going to do what he can. There are some folks that are specially blessed to give. What did God tell Abraham he was going to be? Thou shalt be a blessing. You're going to be a blessing. You've got the ability. Work on that. Do it with simplicity. In other Mm -hmm. words, you be sure that that you've got God uh, on the top of your list. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. Purpose in your heart. So Give. God first, make that something you uh, excel in. Uh, folks that get toward the end of life uh, living on retirement, you know, you hear people talk about living on a fixed income and how challenging it is to on a fixed income. Well, that fixed income includes a pension, a retirement, uh, dividends off the investments, some of those folks living on fixed income are worth two, three, four billion dollars. <laughs> okay? Well, that's tough, I know, but you know what your kids are going to do with your stuff when you're gone? <laughs> I didn't realize this. <laughs> my mama moved out of the house that my daddy and I built for her. Okay? Moved in with my sister because she could no longer take care of herself. I got some of the stuff, my sister's got some of the stuff. A lot of it, we just had to leave, give away to somebody else, okay? The stuff that you count as precious and dear and, oh, my, uh, uh, this this was given to me by Aunt so-and-so, you know, this is from from a Grandpa, and on down the line. Your kids might say, yeah, that's wonderful, but where are they going to put it, <laughs> okay? They probably don't have room for it, <laughs> okay? Think about what you have. Benefiting somebody else. Yep. Make sure you're doing it out of a sincere motive. Here's nothing adulterated about it. If you're giving with simplicity. You're giving because you purpose that God is first in your life and you're going to give what you have to help somebody else to benefit his work especially. He that ruleth with diligence. Who would that be? Where are they? They're going back there. Elders, right? Diligent. There's another one over there. Do There's another one. Pay attention to the work God has given you. What a challenging work it is being an elder. What an awesome responsibility it is to be a shepherd over other people. To be accountable to God for how you have looked after the spiritual interests of others. Diligence. Diligence means what? Focus. Attention, energy focused in a single direction. That's what diligence is. Concentrating on it and doing your best to accomplish it. Even show of mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, the bell's going to ring here, but I'm going to keep talking for just a second. <laughs> I had a friend. He was at one time an elder, but he was also a deacon prior to that. And uh, he was... Uh, contacted by somebody uh, to get some help, so to speak. Uh, they want some groceries. And so he, as a deacon, called up an elder and said, I've got a family here. They're hungry. I was going to take them to the restaurant. I uh, just wanted to be sure that's what y'all want me to do. going to take them to the restaurant and feed the family. And he said, yeah, that'll be fine. And he called him back in just a few minutes. He said, yeah, you go ahead and feed them, but don't let them have no pie. don't let them have no pie they're poor people so they don't deserve pie (laughs) he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness why do we have what we have number one God's given to us number two to use it to serve Him. correct you have what you have to use in the service of God that includes your children. You're going to train them up now. are to have the mission of the Lord. And everything else, your car, your house, use it to the glory of God to the service of God. Well, I can't believe I got done. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for being in the class this morning.